Chapter Fifteen of the Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin by Benjamin Franklin. Chapter Fifteen: Quarrels with the Proprietary Governors. In my journey to Boston this year. I met at New York with our new governor, Mr. Morris, just arrived there from England, with whom I had been before intimately acquainted. He brought a commission to supersede Mr. Hamilton, who, tired with the disputes his proprietary instructions subjected him to, had resigned. Mr. Morris asked me if I thought he must expect as uncomfortable an administration. I said, no, you may, on the contrary, have a very comfortable one, if you will only take care not to enter into any dispute with the assembly. My dear friend, says he pleasantly, how could you advise my avoiding disputes? You know I would love disputing. It is one of my greatest pleasures. However, to show the regard I have for your counsel, I promise you I will, if possible, avoid them. He had some reason for loving to dispute being eloquent and acute sophister, and therefore generally successful in argumentative conversation. He had been brought up to it from a boy, his father, as I have heard, accustoming his children to dispute with one another for his diversion, while sitting at table after dinner, but I think the practice was not wise, for in the course of my observation, their disputing, contradicting, and confuting people are generally unfortunate in their affairs. They get victory sometimes, but they never get goodwill, which will be more used to them. We parted, he going to Philadelphia and I to Boston. And returning, I met at New York with the votes of the assembly, by which it appeared that, notwithstanding his promise to me, he and the house were already in high connection. And it was a continual battle between them, as long as he retained the government I had my share of it. For as soon as I got back to my seat in the assembly, I was put on every committee for answering his speeches and messages, and by the committees always desired to make the drafts. Our answers, as well as his messages, were often tart, and sometimes indecently abusive, and as I knew I wrote for the assembly, one might have imagined that, when we met, we could hardly avoid cutting throats. But he was so good-natured a man that no personal difference between him and me was occasioned by the contest and we often dinged together. One afternoon, in the height of his public quarrel, we met in the street. Franklin, says he, must go home and me spend the evening. I am to have some company like that you will like. And, taking me by the arm, he had led me to his house. In gay conversation over the wine, after supper, he told us, jokingly, that he much admired the idea of Sancho Panza, a footnote, the round, selfish, and self-important squire of Don Quixote in Cervantes, romance of that name, and a footnote, who, when it was proposed to give him a government, requested it might be a government of blacks, as then, if you could not agree with his people, he might sell them. One of his friends, who sat next to me, says, Franklin, why you continue to side with these damned Quakers? Had you not better sell them? the proprietor would give you a good price. The governor, says I, has not yet blacked them enough. 
he indeed had laboured hard to blacken the assembly in all his messages but they wiped off his colouring as fast as he laid it on and placed it in return thick upon his own face so that finding he was likely to be negrified himself he as well as mr hamilton grew tired of the contest and quit the government these public quarrels a footnote my acts in morris's time military etc mark note and a footnote were all at bottom owning to proprietaries or hereditary governors who when an expense was to be incurred for the defence of their province with incredible meanness instructed their deputies to pass no act for levying the necessary taxes unless their vast estates were in the same act expressly excused and they had even taken bonds of these deputies to observe such instructions the assemblies for three years held out against this injustice though constrained to bend at last at length captain denny who was governor morris's successor ventured to disobey those instructions how that was brought about i shall show hereafter but i am got forward too fast with my story there are still some transactions to be mentioned that happened during the administration of governor morris war being in a manner commerced with france the government of massachusetts bay projected an attack upon crown point a footnote on lake chaplin ninety miles north of balmany it was captured by the french in seventeen thirty one attacked by the english in seventeen fifty five and seventeen fifty six and abandoned by the french in seventeen fifty nine it was finally captured from the english by the americans in seventeen seventy five and a footnote and sent mr quincy to pennsylvania and mr pownall afterward governor pownall to new york to solicit assistance as i was in the assembly knew its temper and was mr quincy's countryman he applied to me for my influence and assistance i dictated his addresses to them which was well received they voted an aid of ten thousand pounds to be laid out in provisions but the governor refusing his assent to their bill which included this with other sums granted for the use of the crown unless a clause were inserted exempting the proprietary estate from bearing any part of the tax that would be necessary the assembly though very desirous of making their grant to new england effectual were at a loss how to accomplish it mr quincy laboured hard with the governor to obtain his assent but he was obstinate then i suggested a method of doing the business without the governor by orders on the trustees of the loan office which by law the assembly had the right of drawing there was indeed little or no money at that time in the office and therefore i proposed that the order should be a payable in a year and to bear an interest of five per cent with these orders i suppose the provisions might easily be purchased the assembly with very little hesitation adopted the proposal the orders were immediately printed and i was one of the committee directed to sign and dispose of them the fund for paying them was the interest of all the paper currency then extent in the province upon loan together with the revenue arising from the excise which being known to be more than sufficient they obtained instant credit and were not only received in payment for the provisions but many moneyed people who had cash lying by them vested in it those orders which they found advantageous as they bore interest while upon hand 
and might on any occasion be used as money so that they were eagerly all brought up and in a few weeks none of them were to be seen thus this important affair was by my means completed mr quincey returned thanks to the assembly in a handsome memorial went home highly pleased with the success of his embassy and ever after bore for me the most cordial and affectionate friendship End of chapter fifteen read by elijah fisher